Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast, the podcast that isn't getting carried away just because Stevie G's here and we want. 6-0 on Friday night this week on Heart and Hand League Flags everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. As we kick off, I cannot believe I'm saying this, our ninth season of bringing you informed chat about Rangers and a lot of men flirting. Joining me to kick off this season are two of my most beloved podders. First of all, from Florida, the wonderful and it turns out slightly sunburnt Mr Ian Hogg. Good morning and good afternoon, David. Nine seasons, eh? Exciting. Yeah, it's it's uh, doesn't time fly when you've been kicked to the third division and uh, spiv raped, but uh, well, we're not there now. We're in happier times. And to reflect this is the most positive of all the poilers, and he's allowed to be at this time of the season. It's Mister Alex Staff. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, nine seasons is unreal. I, I kind of thought I would maybe come in and just fuck it up for you halfway <laughs> through last season but somehow you've managed to survive that so I think anything's anything's good from now on yeah I think it was said brilliantly at one of the live shows when somebody said uh, Alex has only been on the show uh, for about half a year I said yeah he went it feels like longer and I think he meant it as a compliment but I'm not sure that no, I'm, uh, not sure either. I'm not sure that uh, you could take it that way right lads well only one place to start and um, we're back of course because the football has, has started back when Rangers beat Berry by six goals to nil in a friendly on Friday night and a very fun night it was too thoroughly enjoyed going out to Ibrox for it but let's rewind slightly now we spoke at the end of last season about the arrival of Steven Gerrard so First impressions then of him as a manager. Hoggy, how do you feel he's done this pre-season in terms of his signings, which we'll go through individually in a minute, his manner and just conduct in general? Well, let's do manner and conduct first, David. He strikes me, despite his, let's face it, inexperience as, as an actual manager, he's just professional. That, that is just how he comes across as sheer and absolute professionalism and let's face it that, that's what we've been missing and um, it's been it's been quite a welcome return um, for us as fans and, and it's, it's seriously good for the club I think the backroom team that he's brought proven to be excellent already in, in my humble opinion um, it's almost as if he's chosen a backroom team that is to um, almost augment his uh, current deficiencies if you like um, with McAllister and Michael Beale and uh, etc just uh, so so the, the the whole the whole feeling around Steven Gerrard and his backroom team and the way he started the way he talks um, I'm 
I'm I'm usually one of the more more cynical chaps in the pod, but um, I think I, I've I've boarded the 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 Gerard Express, and I may be as optimistic as Alex right now. Uh, let's not go nuts here, Alex. Hoggy alluded to there the professionalism, um, which has been missing. I don't think anyone would would say that, but a lot of the players have said that the, the pre-season was one of the toughest they'd ever faced. It was a different level to what they'd experienced at Rangers, but also at other clubs as well. But they were all raving about it, that the quality of training, etc. was excellent. The, the variation of the training was excellent. And this is something we've spoken about on some of our Patreon shows, uh, £1.99 per month, if anyone's listening. And it does feel like this coaching team, and I mean the whole team, is a level above what Rangers have had for a number of years. It does, yeah. These are guys who are working at the, the top end in, in English football for a long time. It's not like they've been, you know, flung together like just pals of Gerard or something like that. This is everybody's proven in, in what they want to do in their field, and they all seem to have very specific roles. If you were to and I don't... Yeah, OK, this sounds kind of offensive. I don't mean it this way. Back when Walter Smith was there with McCoy, McDowell, Durant, if you were to ask those guys, what is it exactly you're doing? I don't think you'd have got as defined answers as you're getting from Beale and Coleshaw and Milsom and the rest. Uh, they all seem to have very, very defined areas that they're taking up, um, as opposed to you know just, just being part of a coaching group who are waiting on their manager telling them what to do so yeah it's, it's very professional looking sounding it's what we've been looking for for what my nigh on 20 years now if we're honest uh, we've been kind of hoping for someone to come in and with us this way uh, the proof's about to come on the park I suppose but uh, all very very good yeah, I think the one of the things I thought when Warburton arrived was that he's a first 21st century manager and and I still think he was because of his ideas now whether or not those ideas were right for Scottish football whether or not he could implement them I think is much more the case but he was at least someone who was looking to the future Pedro possibly say it's hard really to judge Pedro and the more we hear about it the more it, it, it does appear that this was a very good salesman but there wasn't really a lot of depth to his his plans, shall we put it politely and say that. Whereas Gerard has arrived, Ian, and as we say, you look at that coaching team. Now, I, I don't say this lightly, but that's not a coaching team that we can get access to, if that makes sense. And, and the, to explain that, these guys are not desperate to go and work for Rangers. They've come to work for Steven Gerrard and they would follow him wherever he chose to go to. Um, but I think had Rangers appointed someone else and said, oh, we want Jordan Milsom to come from Liverpool or we want Michael Beale, we wouldn't have been able to get them. These are top four clubs in England, guys. And as Alex has said, you know that's where they had been working. It's a massive coup. And I think possibly something we're underestimating is that, yes, we have this you know manager who's very much a heroic figure and very much a sort of inspirational figure that the fans gravitate to. But that coaching team is genuinely a top four Premiership coaching team and we have somehow managed to get them on board. It's a massive step up, David, um, in, in terms of where we've been. Let's just look, and th- this, this is absolutely no disrespect to the guys I'm going to name, but post-Pedro, because, let's face it, we, Pedro was just a fucking estate agent, basically. Um, but post-Pedro, we had Graham Murty for a spell and in came... Jimmy Nicol and Jonathan Johansson. Uh, Nicol, Jimmy Nicol taken from Falkirk, and I don't even know where Jonathan Johansson was before that. Um, we have now, and this is, you know, let, let, let's not kid ourselves on, this is solely because we've managed to snare Stephen Gerrard, because Stephen Gerrard's team is his team, and they would have followed him wherever he went, be it the, you know, the UK or, or beyond. The guys that he's brought in, um, if we look at a guy like Michael Beale, he's probably the guy that excites me the most out of that backroom team, to be honest, David, as first-team coach. Um, you look at his track record, 
uh, as a coach, and he decided, you know, when he when he when he wasn't making it as a football player, he decided he was going to be a coach. And he went through a whole heap of jobs early, including you know uh, roles at Wimbledon and all the rest of it. He went to Chelsea and had a variety of roles. He went to Liverpool, had a variety of roles. He went to become the assistant manager at Sao Paulo in Brazil, which seems odd, but it's 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 just a, simply an extension of the experience that he wants to get back to Liverpool and on to Rangers. Um, Steven Gerrard has built a team around him. It's quite clear that they've had discussions around wherever they end up this is what they want to do and it's at Rangers um, I don't think it's, it's not a stretch I don't think it's a stretch to say if, if Gerard's not there we don't get these guys because I just don't think we do um, it's it's super it really is super exciting just that whole package around Steven Gerrard and his team just the you know professionalism's gone up as we talked about the pre-season training, as you've spoken, as yourself and Alex have spoken about, has clearly been the hardest for the players that they've probably ever had. Um, the the game against Barry, there was there was a side actually hitting the ground running, and I get that you know it's only Barry and they're in the pre-season as well, but we actually looked as if the players knew what the hell they were doing, and even just simple things like that that that's been that's night and day to where we were even four months ago. And you can have the best coaching uh, coaching team in the world assembled, but if you don't have decent players, it's going to be a struggle. So to the more important, I suppose, or the most important aspect of the summer, which is recruitment and uh, the opposite of that, of course, putting people out the door. It should be stressed at this point, Alex, that we are not anywhere near finished the transfer window. There's a long time to go in it yet. But what are your views on the early transfer activity? I think the early transfer activity has actually been, been really good. One thing that I always look for when it comes to transfers is some sort of plan, just something that, that indicates that, OK, we're going to miss out on targets. That's just how it goes. It happens to every single club. But when you move on to that second option, that it's not something where you go, well, why were you looking at that guy if you're going to move on to him? And we seem to be a lot better at that at the moment, where... If we don't get the first guy that we go for, the next one that we look at seems to have very similar characteristics and and can be um, and can be identified in a similar sort of vein. So we've got a lot of that going on. Obviously, McGregor and Arfield and Murphy were pretty much done before Gerard was was you know approached or announced. He's going to get loads out of them. He'll use them constantly. They are they won't be they won't be sidelined because he didn't sign them. Let's put it that way. But, uh, but since then, I think there's been a very clear pattern. Every signing's been under 25. They've had physical attributes that we've certainly lacked in the past couple of seasons. Um, they all seem to be... One thing I've noticed with all of them, and even the ones that we're still t- seeing a defensive sense, they are all really, really good 1v1. Mm. They're all really good. At, they're all difficult to get past. Um, if you think about the guys we've got like Flanagan, Goldson, Cattage, when you look at their clips from from before when they played, yeah. they're really difficult to beat in a one v one situation, and that says quite a bit about what he's looking for. Um, so I've been I've been very impressed by it. Mainly, I know there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how these guys are going to do when it comes to the crunch. We know that there's absolutely no no denying that. It's, it's about waiting. Even the most established player can 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 struggle at Rangers, but. To see the plan, to see the quite obvious aims that we've got with our signings, suggests to me that it's going. You know, it's, it's we're doing well with that. And then needs that bit of luck afterwards. If that happens or not, you know, we'll find out. But at least it doesn't seem like a scattergun approach of, oh, there's that guy who was one shit hot at Spurs <laughs> and hasn't been played a game in years. I'll get him in case he gets shit hot again, and I'll put him next to this old guy who doesn't really seem to care about Scottish football but I'll bring him in you know it felt even under Warburton the manager that I liked and, and thought had a decent plan when he got to the top league his approach became very very erratic but we seem to have moved away from that yeah it was very scattergun and you're absolutely right I understand why it's tempting when you don't have a lot of money and somebody glamorous in terms of name 
floats past you. It must be human nature to go, oh, we can get him, wow. There's a reason, usually. And we've, we've been burnt with it so often the last few years, unfortunately, that I, I'm all for trying something different. And it, I'm impressed because we do have some experienced players. I think Hoggy, if you're our age and you grew up kind of soonest era, one of the things that was, was hammered in by the great man himself into his was you build from the back, you start from the back. If you don't have the back door locked, doesn't matter what else you're doing, you're not going to get anywhere. And we grew up with that. And the, the Rangers teams that, that soonest built, and then after that, you know, you had your Butcher, Roberts, Goff, Chris Woods, Andy Gorham, John Brown. It was always about that solid, that solid back line. And the manager clearly... When you look at where the money's been spent so far, three million Goldson, two million Katic, John Flanagan's been brought in, Alan McGregor, who I think is is a huge signing, not just for his goalkeeping ability. I happen to think he's a better goalkeeper than Wes Fodringham, but he's also a leader. You can see that that clearly has been a priority for him. Yeah, you know, growing up as you say through Sunus and then Walter Smith, it was always about build a spine. It's the first thing Sunus did when he came in, um, it, when when he brought in effectively a great goalkeeper, a great centre half. He had Sunus himself in the middle of the park, um, and one of the one of the deficient areas that we had was clearly in that kind of central defence and and just the defence as a whole as a unit. Um, I don't think the goalkeeper was good enough. I think he was good on his day, but was a wee bit erratic in Fodringham. So he's brought in McGregor who was with us previously. He was a Premiership goalkeeper and last year a Championship goalkeeper. He's brought in Goldson, a Premiership defender, and Katic from the Croatian top league. Um, He's also brought in John Flanagan. Personal issues aside and my personal feelings on that aside, because I think I've covered that in other pods, David, um, John Flanagan is a former Premiership defender. Um, and then you look at Scott Arfield, Premiership midfielder, Jamie Murphy, Premiership uh, winger or, or, or attacker. There's a clear plan. There's a clear plan to A, build a spine and B, plug the deficiencies. Um, it feels as if we're building a first team. It feels as if we're building a, a, a squad of greater quality. I think if you then offset that against the players who have gone out, you look at the guys that have gone out, um, Kenny Miller, enough said, David Bates, I think, would probably all like to have kept, but wouldn't have been first choice, and fair enough, he's gone to Hamburg. Um, Jordan Thompson's gone, Liam Kelly's gone, Michael O'Halloran, I can hear Scott. Um <laughs> You look at the guys that have gone out on loan, Carlos Pena, Joe Dodu, Jason Holt, Ryan Hardy. None of those guys are getting a sniff of first team first team games. Let's face it. Um, all we're doing is upgrading. Uh, sorry, all we're doing is plugging the deficiencies with quality and upgrading the the rest of the squad. I guess there will be a hope then, David, that the guys that are retained, and currently that includes the likes of you know Andy Halliday and Co. Can they all improve? through coaching and training to bring them up a level a la, you know, and, and it's a different time and a different age and again and the players won't be quite as good as soon as brought in but it's a similar concept that, that, as, as we had you know, 30 what's that, 32 years ago when Sunis came in, he signed about five players and the rest of the squad were basically challenged to step themselves up in class and they rose to the challenge, so I've got no doubts, Gerard, they'll be trying to do that. You and I watched, for one of our Patreon shows, we watched the 1986 League Cup final, and I think a lot of us, and I was one of them, forgot Ali Dawson was at centre-half that day, Cammy Fraser played in midfield, you know, you're right, it's not realistic, Alex, to expect 11 new players, it's highly unlikely as well, but some of the players who were there previously are going to have to be retained, it's simple economics and I would I would go to an even closer example to that there were a lot of players at Celtic under Dyla that had been written off by everyone you know including us but with a decent coach and better players around them and I can't stress enough that's important that's the key thing you know a coach can only do so much but having better players around them and they didn't have quite so much responsibility but that that has to be a name as well we can't buy 
a, a brand new team straight out of the box and expect it to gel. Some of these guys are going to have to be retained and deliver. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you look at the bigger games under Rodgers for Celtic the past couple of years, I know we don't like to talk about them, but this is absolutely worth stressing. In the bigger matches, he tends to only play two or three players that he actually signed. Um, Dembele will start most games. Sinclair, who seems to have fallen away from that, actually, recently was one, certainly in his first season. Now he's got him charm. But when you look at all the other areas of the park, it's players that he didn't sign. He just improved them. Now, it's arguable that he came into a better squad under the one the Dylad built than Gerard has come into it. I think that's you know probably arguable, but there was still talent there. We showed at times last season, and that was a frustration with this lot. There were certain games where you watched them and thought, there's something in these guys, and then you would see them two weeks later and go, get rid of every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was that lack of consistency. So if, if you can find that in certain players, and, and by them I mean like your James Tavernier, for example, I'm very glad he's staying and I'm sure we'll come on to it as a discussion. The, the captaincy decision by him, you know, there's a fair, fair dis, a fair discussion in that in itself. But I'm very glad that it looks as though Tavernier stayed because I think not only was he the best right back in the league anyway, I think there's still more to come from him. Um, players like Rossiter and Doherty and even Windass and certainly Morelos, there's potential there to get a lot more out of them and they've got a bit of time. And then the guys that he's let go, Holt, nothing like that. All the best women in the world to Jason Holt, but we needed better than Jason Holt. And he played far too many games over the past two seasons, which in itself summed up our lack of progress. Mm. Um, David, I'd also like to point out, right? So Alex, Alex, despite being the most optimistic man on the planet, um, Rangers had reduced Alex Mm. to saying... Get rid of them, every fucking single one of them. So Rangers, Rangers broke Alex last season. We spent this, exactly. you know, that, that, this, this, this close is... season. Alex has been our Jordan Rossiter, right? We've had to intense work with that, the heart and hand, looking forward to the future physios to get Alex back to his normal level. It's a good job we got Stevie G in. That's all I'm saying. Um, the, someone so, so ruggedly so, handsome. So, so the players, the players that are retained, if you're listening, it's on you. Keep Alex positive. Mm, don't break, don't break out, Alex. We we don't want another summer like this. Um, good point about James Tavernier from the big man. Um, let's have a, a quick chat about him. So it looks as though he's going to be be staying now. Um, which I'm in favour of. I like James Tavernier. I think he's a good player. Well, I was a little surprised. I'll be honest that he retained the captaincy. There were games last season where I thought his leadership qualities absolutely stood out. The nil-nil drop Parkhead. I thought he was fantastic. Not merely in his performance, which was excellent, but the way he drove the rest of the team on. And there were other matches. The one-nil defeat at Kilmarnock springs to mind where I thought it was awful, both performance and as a captain. But Stephen Gerrard um, knows a thing or two about inspirational leaders and he's came in, he's he's decided he's going to be the guy. Huge, huge vote of confidence, Hoggy. Yeah. Um, I don't think you, nor I, nor I'm sure Alex, nor 99.9% of the Rangers support that aren't called Adam Thornton are... I'm sure we're all surprised that he's retained the captaincy. Um I certainly was. Um, I think being a more kind of cynical, negative kind of chap, I I, I, I I looked to the performances last season where he was, I thought, poor from a leadership point of view. But um, I've, got, I've had to remind myself in the past week, David, that um, I've been all for every decision Gerard makes. Let's get behind it just now because I think he deserves that in that honeymoon period. Um, and just because I maybe don't particularly agree with this one, he he clearly sees a captain in Tavernier or he feels that with coaching, with help, he deserves that chance given that he's staying at the club. Um, either way, I absolutely hope it works out because if it works out, it's the old adage of um, it, it means it's better for Rangers. So I'm... Um, I'm, I'm behind it as long as if it's not working we make a change quickly Alex there's a couple of things for me um, for those who were critical of the decision and I, and I do understand the argument and Hoggy is correct to say that all we can base this on is what you saw last season 
So then depends upon your your judgment of that. Anybody that thinks he wasn't a good captain last season, again, justifiable, will struggle to understand this. Two things for me. Firstly, you need more than one leader on the pitch anyway. If you are a team where there's only one player able to show leadership, then you're not going to get anywhere. That's just a fact. There needs to be more than one. You're never going to get the old 11 captains on the pitch thing, but you need to certainly have a number. Um, and letting the Bury match, what I noticed was that there was a, a lot of people taking responsibility for talking others through the game. So that's a little bit of a sign that we've got a little bit more of this going on. But that's, you know, again, evidence of that will, will come. The second thing for me is one of the things that people say quite a bit, he's never a Rangers captain. Now, my apologies to anyone who used that line if, I, if they find what I'm about to say offensive. But that is such a vague, bullshit fucking line that I just don't get it. Um, he's never a Rangers captain. In my lifetime, I've watched Terry Butcher, Richard Goff, Barry Ferguson, Lorenzo Amoruso as Rangers captains. All four of those people are completely different. Yeah, they but, but different I, approaches I, I'll, on the pitch. I'll play, I'll play devil's dick advocate here, though. But one thing all four of them had was a certain inspirational quality to them that stood out and that they had a certain authority about them possibly due to size in some cases but uh, all of them had that sort of visible drive that sometimes James Tavernier doesn't and very rarely did you see one of those four players hiding some play badly but very rarely did you think that they weren't highly visible throughout the team and that I think is perhaps what people identify when they use the phrase never a Rangers captain they mean someone who anyone could look at and say that's the leader of this group of men yeah possibly possibly I think leaders in general in football are a dying breed and I think a lot of managers say that now as well something that the academy system as they put it doesn't seem to produce as much of um, maybe that's true maybe it's not I'm, I'm going by you know what I hear from others with that really and looking at it a little bit of evidence but is it fair to say when I mentioned those names that Barry Ferguson didn't come across as a Rangers captain when he got the armband and he grew into it oh yeah I yeah. think that was true yeah I was, I'll be honest yeah I was really surprised when he got that role yes yes yeah so you know there's, there's a potential I know that Tavernier was a bit older than Ferguson was when he got that etc but he has the potential to grow into this. I think he's more vocal in the park than we realise. And in truth, I think he's probably got more respect and camaraderie in the dressing room than, he, than Lee Wallace had, who was our previous captain um, anyway. So, yeah, he, he needs support regardless. He needs his centre-halves to be doing plenty of talking. He needs Ross McCrory in front of the back four to be inspiring people by rattling through challenges and you know being that sort of player that he is. He needs he needs all of that, Arfield's experience, etc. If he was going to do well anyway, even if he was the absolute best captain in the world and had none of that, he would have looked poor as a captain. And I, I don't know if it's fair to judge him on last season, given the absolute shit show that we had. And as a captain, when he's not, you know, if he, he could scream in someone's face that he's not getting across, he looks to his manager for a little bit of support, and it was Graham Murray. It's a bit different when it's Jeff. So I think, I think, I think uh, on, honestly, honestly, Alex, I think that's uh, that, that's all of that is very, very fair. If you're looking across to the manager for a bit of help and he's chewing his fucking zip, yeah. then it's harsh but fair but I mean yeah you're absolutely right it's like fuck we're in trouble I need to just dig this extra 10% out from somewhere I'll look across to the gaffer for inspiration and he's trying not to cry yes I agree that, that. And I think I, I think then if, if you're looking for help from your team and you're looking at Fabio Cardozo and Russell Martin then you're on to a loser so I, I think that's all valid Alex because you know you look at Alan McGregor Conor Golson, even John Flanagan, Scott Arfield, Ro- uh, fuck, I almost said Ross Jack, Ryan Jack, um, in the in the centre of the park, there's proper leaders. So uh, hopefully we're what 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 I'll say, Alex says, hopefully we're getting back to I'll call it the old Rangers way of leaders right throughout the team. And when I say leaders, I mean guys we drive, guys we presence, and guys that can inspire others to that extra ten percent. 
Alex, think... would you agree that if I can dust off a cliche, would you agree that uh, this current Rangers squad looks to contain more people who you would like in the trenches with you than last season's? Yes, it does. And I think that that's just where I was going to go. I think that we make a lot of the captaincy. It seems to be a very British football thing. I always remember years ago under Le Guin um, when he said, you know, in France it's not that big a deal. And people kind of lost their minds over that comment, if you remember. Um, we, we make a bit, quite a bit of it. Yeah, but the, the yeah, but to be fair, look at look at the French. You know, they don't have leaders, and you know, but kind of. About to win the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> no, but but yeah, all right, all, all good at football. But um, yeah. if it wasn't if it wasn't for us and our leadership quirk, then currently they'd be about to win the World Cup as part of Greater Germania. Yeah, a point. Yeah, a point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Know what I'm saying? But, um, <laughs> I do, but yeah. uh, for me, it's almost like. This almost links back to, to what you were talking about earlier with the coaching team. We've got this kind of slight cult of personality thing when it comes to the manager and all the focus is on him. Yeah, it's a management team. All the focus seems to be on the captain, but it's you know a team game and Tavernier's no way I've been able to do this himself. And I think if you were the sort of player who needed your captain to drag you through games, then you're probably not the sort of player that's going to do well at Rangers. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I, yeah. I know yeah. that people different in terms of motivation and, and how they motivate themselves and yeah it's fine if someone can get an extra 5 or 10% out of you by being on your back or putting an arm around your shoulder that's natural but if you need it if, if, if you believe that the team needs an inspirational captain then you're talking about a team that's weak uh, it's abdicating know. responsibility yes you're right yeah, it's, it's saying yeah, I, I'm not responsible that. for my own performance it, it comes down to the manager or the captain that, yeah you're right it is. it's just basically saying it's an excuse that's what you're looking for straight away yeah it is and I already listen to guys like Arfield and Goldson now as I say evidence is still to come talk is cheap all that sort of cliched nonsense but uh, just listening to these guys you can hear a hunger and you can hear a, a bit of responsibility being taken already they're not they don't sound like the sort of people who, if they have a bad game, they'll blame anybody for it by themselves. And that, that that's what we needed more of. We needed people who were just willing to take that responsibility and not complain about a crowd getting on their back or, or anything like that. If they played poorly, you would go away and analyse why. Um, and it looks as though we've got a lot more of that this season. Guys who are willing to do that, who are a bit... And then, added to that, it looks as though we've got a bit more ability. But that, again, you know... That's at the moment um, just based on very limited evidence, I guess. I did like your, your line there about that we've got a slight cult of, manager, cult of per- personality thing with the manager at the moment. And I thought slight as I looked at my Stevie G tattoo, my dogs Stephen, <laughs> Stevie G and Gerard, and uh, looked at the mask I make my wife wear for the bedroom unpleasantness. But uh, Alex, yeah, that actually does take us in on Hoggy. For some reason, you decided it was better off staying in Florida than flying home on Friday to take in the match. But Alex, having been at it, did you occasionally find yourself looking around at the dugout as I did and certainly the people around me did and go, fucking hell, it's Stephen Gerrard, he's our manager. Yes, the whole thing was almost surreal. Firstly, that's the first time in ages I've had to queue up to get into a game. And it's a fucking friendly. Against Berry. Let's be honest. Friendly against Berry. And, and, you know, on the same, at the same time as Brazil are playing Belgium in the World Cup quarter final, and we've got over 40,000 people sent at Ibrooks to watch us against Berry. And then you look down and there's Steven Gerrard in the dugout and a friendly, absolutely lambasting players for mistakes and demanding more and looking for the energy and the drive and a friendly against Berry. I mean, six days before our first competitive game, when you would have been excused for thinking, trying, you know, not get yourself injured or anything like that. No, no, he was demanding hard tackles, getting stuck in, etc. The whole thing felt surreal. And it felt like, as Hoggy said earlier, a team hitting the ground running. We haven't had a lot of games going into this first European game, but it doesn't look as though we've needed to. What we've needed is a real reset of attitude and professionalism more than anything else. And that, that seems to... I don't want to get carried away by a friendly, especially against a team of that quality, but... We've seen this before where we play teams at this time of year 
and like Charleston Battery, <laughs> the Bember Juniors would have been happy to be. We struggle our way to two one win. Um, you know things like that, and then I look at that game, and even let's just compare and contrast. We played TNS around about this time last year. We drew one each of them. We barely got shot on goal. We played them this time. Played them this year. Beat them three one. And even just from a four and a half minute highlights of the game, that could have been six or seven. Mm. Very big difference. It's only friendlies, I get that, but it's a marker of progress right there. And the Berry game was extremely exciting. It was difficult not to get caught up in the wave of it because it was 40 odd thousand, 41 thousand fans loving what they were watching. A friendly. It's just that, honestly, people think, might take a piss out of me when I said this, but honestly, this is one of those things in decades. Someone will be reading a bit of something on, you know, the Gerald era. He's very first batch at Ibrox, a friendly against Berry. 41,000 attendance and they're going to turn to us and go, surely that wasn't right. That must be talking shit. It's just one of those really weird situations that it seems to uh, just, just almost sums up the summer, doesn't it? You know, just the sheer excitement and surrealness of all. Oh, it's the thing, that's a that, real key point there. The whole positivity around the place is just ramped up tenfold. That um, Can you imagine this time last season, um, a Friday night against Barry uh, 41,000 is you know even, even without international World Cup matches on there, there would be nowhere near that in the first two weeks of the school holidays effectively yeah. um, but here we are now a Friday night game school holidays um, quarter final of the World Cup on yet over 40,000 attended pretty much the same attendance as the Brazil-Belgium game. Um, personally, I was, uh, as you know, in Florida, two o'clock in the afternoon or quarter past two, the game kicked off when it's 40-odd degrees outside. I'm inside, don't have the Brazil game on, and I'm watching the game on Rangers TV. It's just, uh, that that's the whole measure of the excitement and the positivity at the minute. It's, it's, um, it feels different. Um, I hope it doesn't crash and burn, frankly, David, but it just it feels more professional. It feels as if we're ready to go into these games this week. Yes, it does. Uh, the game itself, Rangers, and look, caveat time, Derry are not a very good team and they're two weeks behind us in their preparation, but all you can then do when that's the case is dominate the game and score lots of goals, which Rangers did. They couldn't really have done anything else. So even allowing for that caveat, it was still the type of performance you would want in that match. And uh, took the lead to a goal from Jamie Murphy, followed up by a long-range shot from uh, Nikola Katic that the keeper made an arse of to go 2-0 up. Scott Arfield with goals either side of half-time, uh, getting into the box late to finish off really good moves. Make it 4 0. Alfredo Morelos got his head on a superb ball over um, by, uh, I think it was Young Middleton um, with that ball. It was Windass. Windass. Terrific, terrific ball in. And uh, we then finished up with a, a six, which definitely was uh, Young Middleton who played the ball over for Zach Rudden to get the first of what we hope is very many goals uh, at Rangers. Great performance. Good to see so many young guys blooded, Alex. And one thing I noticed about the young guys that really made me quite happy is that they're all fucking huge. And I'm so used to players coming through at Ibrox that, I'm just using this example, or Barry Mackay-sized, or Robbie Crawford-sized, or um, even going a wee bit further back, Chris Burke-sized. It was great to see Middleton's built, Zach Rodden's fucking massive, in an athletic way. I don't mean, you know, Mark Yardley. But I was like, yes, good, because so many times I see young, skillful players coming out of the Rangers team and think, well, you're going to get bullied, and then so often they get bullied. They do, yeah. That was speaking to my boy at the game, because we've been, he signed a while ago, young Serge Atake, um, and we've been kind of, everybody's been kind of waiting on him, getting a little chance in the first team. And you looked at him and you thought he maybe looked still just a little bit small for it. Um, he's never going to be tall, but he maybe needs to fill out. Middleton was actually bullying people. Uh, you know, fully grown adults, guys who are solid enough themselves, know how to play the game, know how to handle the physical thing. He was battering them off the ball, he was pressing them into mistakes, he was um, he looked every inch ready for first team football in my opinion. Um, whether or not that's with Rangers right now or if he goes out on loan. But he was very, very impressive and exciting. Zag Rudden's got all the tools and he's what, eighteen I think? Eighteen. So He's still got a bit of filling out to do. So, you know, there's plenty of excitement there. You look at the back, Aidan Wilson, 
he's physically ready, no problem at all. Kyle Bradley's quite a young boy, you would fine as well. So yeah, there was a couple of them, you know, attacking and young Stephen Kelly never got on. I don't know if you've seen him warming up, he looked about twelve. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that used to be the norm, didn't it? For so so many years now we've been looking at our young players and thinking, Wow, we are so far behind the rest of Europe genetically with this stuff. Um, you know, everybody looked small and kinda frail almost. Um, even if they were tall, they were always Hughes or Robbie Crawford like, weren't they? Yeah. Tall and rangy rather than you know, built. So it's good to see there, there's clearly been some work done there. There's clearly been a bit better identifying people who are going to be able to handle that. And there's some ability in them as well, which is, you know, probably the most important thing anyway. So um, exciting to see the young players come on and do so well. In general, I thought the performance was good from just about everybody. I don't think there was a failure on the pitch, really. Um, and, that, and we looked drilled, we looked set, we looked to know what we were doing. And that's... Uh, it's all pretty positive going forward, as you say. All the caveats aside, that's all we could do. There was nothing else we could have done on the day. It would have came. We would have came away there thinking, well, that was positive. If we'd won that game two 0 and it had been turgid, the negativity would have been huge. So why not enjoy doing exactly what we should have done? Yeah, it's not very often we do that. No, exactly, and it, it was fun. It was nice. You know, it was a sunny night at Ibrox. Everyone was in a good mood. It was it was enjoyable. Um, and the the kind of main things I suppose we can take from it, Hoggy, the system used was a four three three. Interestingly, Daniel Kandias utilised a midfield, um, and I think part of that is that Rangers played a pressing game, and clearly the manager spoken repeatedly about that. And as Alex said, could be seen in the second half getting out and telling the players, "Don't stop pressing. Continue. Don't stop." I'm delighted by this development and I can actually see why Kandias would you'd be someone he, he figures he can convert into being able to do that because his work rate's never in doubt and I think that for years whenever we've said we're going to do pressing or whenever a manager said it we seem to do it for about 20 minutes of a game and then they forget um, whereas I don't think that's going to be the case I think this is just something that's going to be absolutely stamped throughout this side that it's it's not about all about what you do with the ball. That it's as important to this manager what you do when we don't have the ball. Yeah, and when when we don't have the ball, the pressing is clearly all about getting the ball back. Candace was an odd one uh, pre-match going into it, um, but I thought he did fine. I thought you know Candace strikes me as a guy that's going to be used as a quite a versatile player. This season, he's not going to be used out wide all the time. He played in a three uh, on on Friday night. As I say, he did fine. His pressing was good. His work rate's never in doubt. And and let's face it, you know he can have a wee bit of bite and a wee bit of snarl about him. I quite like that about him, even though some sometimes he can go over the score with it. But um, I think the, the I think the system was good. The pressing was great. Uh, the players all seem to bought in, uh, to really buy into it and they all seem to know exactly what they were doing and if they didn't by Christ Stephen Gerrard was out there absolutely telling them um, and in a tracksuit I should say uh, David we might want to come on to that uh, tongue in cheek but um, it, it was it was a good performance as Alex says you can only you can only play against and beat who's in front of you and game against Barry you're absolutely expected to win but we did the right things for us. Forget the opposition. We did the things that the manager obviously wanted them to do. We did the things that, as supporters, we would want them to do. You know, we 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 want to see them doing it, and they did it very very well. I think the other the other thing I'll say on on the personnel is it was great to see Robbie McCrory coming on uh, to replace Alan McGregor. You guys both know that I'm a a big fan of the kid, and I think he'll. I think he'll make it. Um, and it, it must have been a very, very proud night for for the McCrory's parents. Uh, he's huge, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, that that's one thing that I think has been noticeable to me about Wes um, is that he's not the biggest, well built and everything, but he's just not the biggest guy. Whereas, good God, it was noticeable. Um, I forgot how big Shagger really is, and then. Interesting thing, incidentally, at the game the other night when a guy stood up and went, great to have you back, Shagger, as he ran to the Copeland and his son, who was about eight, who clearly, obviously, hadn't seen much of Al McGregor in his life, said, why do you call him Shagger? And I thought, 
that's going to be a good one to to answer back. But uh, I I reckon eight year old these days. I reckon the wee boy was taking the piss. As 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 long as the answer wasn't ask your mum. Oh no, that that would have been the standard. Or he should have sat down and went right. When a mummy bear and a daddy bear love each other very much, <laughs> you should have maybe just or 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 in or in McGregor's case, when a goalkeeper loves to put it about allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, allegedly, I don't think there's much doubt about it. Um, I, th- I think uh, I think the Alan McGregor sausage has uh, has entered a few a few <laughs> places uh, around what, about what, the Glasgow area. What was it Kevin Thompson said to us? Alan McGregor, he just loves shagging. <laughs> there you go. And hey, listen, we've all got hobbies, right? You know, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's down to him. But again, it's it's that sort of fondness for a player that we haven't seen for a number of years, and it was great to, to kind of open that back. Now, friendly out the window, because we now move to already our first, our first competitive match of the season, and it's a biggie. Because I think we all remember how we felt this time last year when Rangers um, produced one of the worst results in our history. An absolutely colossal fuck-up against Progress Niederkorn. Um, now we take on FK Skupi of Macedonia. Um, tiny little club, Alex. Not a lot known about them. There was an excellent preview pod on Patreon by James Forrest, who's a kind of European expert. Um, look, Rangers should beat this more, but, and there's no two ways about it. Some are all that shite. It doesn't matter. Rangers should beat this mob, and obviously we have the ghost of last year. We need to lay that one to rest. Yeah, um, the ghost of last year is the only reason why anybody's going into this with trepidation, isn't it? Really, I mean, we've been here before, I guess, and you think back to the likes of Kaunas as well, for example. I'm pretty confident we're going to smash this mob, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I'm thinking three, four plus Ibrooks and killing the second leg and making that, you know, almost a another pre-season friendly. Uh, we, we look to be in the right mood. We, we've got a lot of positivity in and around the club. And I think that that's slightly different from last season where players didn't look prepared. And see if you're honest, the first leg was poor. The second leg last season was horrendous. We still should have actually went through oh, yeah. Yeah. the amount of subtles that we missed um, in that second leg. And, and that was with a team that, as I say, clearly wasn't anywhere near prepared in terms of fitness or, uh, you know, the system they were being asked to play or anything. They weren't close to it. So I, I just feel as though this season, you know, if it wasn't for that, we would all feel a hell of a lot better about this game coming up. And we should feel better about this game coming up. I've got, you know, I've got a good feeling about this one, I think. Thursday night will be enjoyable. It'll be different. There'll be a bit more nerves kicking about and this team are clearly going to... I've seen little bits of them on their... They've got a YouTube channel and, you know, put up highlights of their games and stuff. They've got a little bit about them going forward and things like that. But, you know, that's at that level. I think that we should be pretty confident. I just want to very quickly come back to to one thing that that I found interesting. When you mentioned Candace in midfield, there, guys... I think what that shows is, is that Gerard has characteristics in mind for positions rather than just, you know, it's, a, it's about the system rather than just trying to fit it around the players. And what he's seen in Candias fits that role better than any other player that we've got. So he's willing to convert him into a central midfielder to do the things that he can do rather than try and drag it out of someone who maybe isn't, you know, so good at that stuff. That's kind of interesting going forward because he has always said he's not going to ask people to be he's not going to ask a striker to be the next Firmino when he's not that sort of striker you know I was, he was very vocal about that when he was an under 18s coach I think that's what we're seeing and it's things like that that make me a bit more confident this isn't a guy who's just shoehorning in players he played Nico Cranchard on the two legs against Progress for example mm. you know Jordan Rosser came in and started the away match he hadn't played a game in donkeys before that Things like that. He's not just throwing people in here. He's got a definite plan in mind for this game, and he is picking the team, the best team he's got available to do that, rather than treating it like pre-season, which it felt like last year. Yeah, it definitely did. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned that. It's a kind of moneyball principle, isn't it? It's like I need someone who can do this. He can do this. So rather than playing him because he's a midfielder, 
in inverted commas, I'll play him and ask him to do these things, which I know he's good at. Um, so yeah, it is. It's, it's again very modern, and it, it, this is a guy who's thought a lot about football, and, and I think that's very important to his going in. Um, before we go, then lads, um, Dave King has been in the news the the last couple of weeks. First of all, um, possibly facing contempt of court charges due to his long-running battle with the takeover panel. Hoggy, uh, this one doesn't really affect Rangers, but it's not a good look. No, it's 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 the ongoing noise that that there's. I think I think there's always two sides to Dave King, uh, David. You, you've got um, the shrewd businessman side, which let's face it, there's no doubt that he is. And then there's the Dave King, the fighter side, which kind of goes hand in hand with being a shrewd businessman. But sometimes um, I, I get the feeling that Dave King likes a battle because he likes a battle. Mm. Um, you, you, you've only got to look at the how many years did it take him to settle with the South African government. He enjoys a battle, you know, it's, uh, no, no two ways about it. And the takeover panel, I think, is is it's on Dave King, it's not about Rangers, but it's not a good look. And I think it's, it's all to do with he just doesn't really want to give in. The other thing, Alex, uh, as well as uh, our old friend Sports Direct, uh, are taking Rangers to court rear matching clause, which uh, for those of you who, who are unaware, um, what this is in a business, if you've got a relationship with a partner, um, and it's, it's quite, I'll give you an example, in, for example, UFC, if a guy fights for UFC and he gets an offer from another organisation, he may have a clause that UFC inserted saying, um, we have the right to match that offer, and what that means is that if they offer the same amount of money, then they have the first option on, on signing him. So it's a pretty standard deal. Um, the reason that it's gone to court is the Sports Direct say Rangers have failed to meet it. Rangers are claiming that they have met it. So uh, the injunction doesn't mean that the court's decided, incidentally. It just means the court has said, right, until we can meet to get all the evidence, then nothing can happen. But it doesn't really affect Rangers that much because the, the strips weren't out for sale yet anyway. So... That's going on. And then there is the battle with the SPFL, Alex, over its chairman, Murdoch McLennan, and his conflict of interest, Rangers claim, because he has uh, sits on a board which contains Dermot Desmond and Dennis O'Brien, who are obviously major shareholders at Celtic, that it's a uh, conflict of interest. The SPFL reject this. Uh, he's not letting that one go. No, certainly not. Um, and... For those for those who you know listen to the free shows and, and aren't signed up to Patreon, what are you waiting for? By the way, um, they won't have heard us saying this quite often, but it's a Dave King who gives a fuck to it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He seems to be going all out to to make his point, to say what he wants to say, and to give everyone an absolute hard time because no one has responded to any attempts to to try and build bridges or olive branches or anything like that. So now it's time, you know, all eyes are on Rangers. Stephen Gerrard has raised the profile of Scottish football hugely. That's us that have done that, yeah, again. So, yeah, it's time that we started to say the things that we probably should have been saying a while ago. We've now got a bit of a more captive audience for it, I think. It is potentially uh, one, one way of looking at it. There's no way that BBC, for example, are going to... Uh, be quite as lax about their attitude towards us when Stephen Gerrard is there. There's no way the ASPFL can keep just try to bury this one without starting to ask questions. Uh, it's been a, it's a certainly an interesting change of tact given what we've had over the past few years and the frustrations that we've all expressed at how we've we've seemed to approach things. It's nice to see that Dave King is being Dave King, uh, 100% Dave King as well. And I think I think the key there, David, is both of these issues impact Rangers. So the first one, the takeover panel, doesn't. It's you know Dave King's doing it, doing his fighting Dave King thing. Fine, let him go on with it. It's not a great look, but you know it's it's, it's up to him. These two impact Rangers. Uh, Murdoch McLennan, go for it, take it all the way. Um, and the sports direct thing, take it all the way. Um, I think th- th- these are. We, we've been very, very critical on the pods of rolling over and having our tummy tickled, uh, trying to build bridges with folk who hate us and don't want bridges being built. Um, 
Paul Murray, likable guy, but is gone. I think my personal opinion was he was chief bridge builder. And uh, the, the, the latest trumped-up SPFL charge was clearly the straw that broke the camel's back. And Dave King has gone basically gone to a place of, fuck it. And it's about time, it's right, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the outcome. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it's a clear conflict of interest. You can't sit on a board on a company who, incidentally, are being investigated by the Irish government. I mean, this is not a company where everything is rosy. Uh, there's there's a lot going on there that, that will come out. It's a clear conflict of interest, and unfortunately, while an investigation's going on, you can't then sit in the position that, that he's in. Um, can you, uh, D- David, just uh, quite, quickly, can you imagine this was uh, a Rangers supporter on a board alongside Dave King? Can you imagine for a second that the SPFL and other member clubs would just be quite as quiet as we'd expected to be? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. And also... I keep harping on about this. Now, if you are a reader of Private Eye, then you, you'll have read about Murdoch McLennan for years, and it's not a very flattering portrayal in Private Eye of him, so that may colour my opinion slightly. But, SPFL chairman, why is it an ex-newspaper editor? What, what's the qualification? What skills does he bring to the to the table um, in the 21st century? I, I can't see the relevancy to it. Am I being too harsh there? No, um... You're not at all because that's all we know about him. And this is where if if the SPFL want to, to fight this in any way, you know, playing uh, devil's advocate to this, expe- uh, to this extent, if they want to come out and try and justify their decision, they're going to have to tell us a hell of a lot more as to why the guy's in the job. Mm. Because, you know, right now, from what we know, everything that's out there, we have no reason to, to think at all that the Rangers campaign on this is in any way misguided. Now, we're all relatively balanced, let's be honest. We'll have, we'll have life with blue tinted glasses on, but we try now and again not to. Um, if we thought that Rangers were fighting a bit of a daft battle here, we would say that. We, we don't, and I don't, I don't believe the SPFL have anything that could make us think that. They, they don't have any reason. If they try to come out and justify his, his position due to his qualifications, we would be would be laughing at them yeah. because it, it, clearly, if they had that, they would have done it by now. They would have had to have done it by now, and they haven't. The very fact that they haven't, and they just come out with the old vote of confidence lines, says quite a bit, really. Um, I suspect this one will rumble on for a little while, and then things will quietly happen. Um, changes almost almost like the compliance officer, or he's resigning in about nine months' time. You know things like that. Um, Changes will quietly happen. Whether that's enough for us or not will be interesting to see. Absolutely. So until then, um, if everyone wants to just continue with Stevie G Fever or Stevie Jeever, as uh, one of my friends uh, named it, then uh, I think that uh, we're all entitled to do so. So just a wee word. We've mentioned the Patreon site a few times. Uh, if you are unaware of what we're talking about, we're on a subscription service in which we put um, usually four, but uh, sometimes even five shows per day, all different on Rangers. There's a daily news update. There's shows on current events. Alec does breakdowns of the opposition before we play them. There are tactic shows based on uh, our performances, but there's also lookbacks in history. There's also uh, match watch alongs. You, you name it. There's comedy shows. There's film reviews have even gone out of football film reviews. Obviously, the last couple of weeks there's EPL shows. You name it. It's there and it's done by bears for bears. It's only one ninety nine per month. Patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Please come and check it out. Um, I think. We've got over 3,000 subscribers already and they're staying, so they must be happy with the service that they're getting. So please come along and have a listen and tell us what you think. We will be back next week on the flagship show. We won't be back um, with Heart and Hand Extra this week. It'll kick in once the league season starts. We'll be back with Heart and Hand Extra, the Thursday night show, once the league season starts. All that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests. First of all, the splendid Mr. Ian Hogg. Thank you, David. Pleasure as always, and I hope we're back this time next week with uh, an air of positivity and it's not need of corn too. Oh, God almighty, yes. And, of course, the wonderful Mr Alex Staff. Thank you, David. Thank you, Ian. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening, folks. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care. Cheers. Bye.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.